Good morning. We are waking up to grace. I'm Melissa. This is my husband, Lenny. And we're hoping that uh, many of you are joining us out there also waking up to grace. Yeah, so so uh, it's going to be full grace. We're not going to put anything in its place. That's right. Because that's the way it should be. And so we decided that uh, we need a good pick-me-up. We need some some good passages that are going to pick us up and lift us to new levels of grace. So uh you know and maybe maybe you've already heard a lot of these but you just never get sick of them so we're gonna just go through i i I made i printed off a whole bunch of passages and there's probably more that i missed i mean there is so many passages about what god has given us who we are and him now and just the the one the splendor of his glory and uh and how amazing uh, the transformation uh that he's given us is so we're just going to start looking at passages and we're going to talk about them a little bit and just see what comes to mind as we're talking about them. And, uh, you know, think about it for yourself too. What comes to your mind while you're meditating on these awesome passages? And you did uh, put together a nice thick packet. Yeah. And like you said, there's many more. So this, we're going to start with a, with a classic, uh, Ezekiel 36, 26. He's, uh, he says, uh, and this is a prophecy uh, that of what was to come for the Christian. And uh, he, being a prophet, these next th- these three in line that I have ready for you, being prophets, they could only see it from afar. But when we look back on the Old Testament passages with spiritual eyes that we have now in Christ, uh, the Spirit illuminates uh, what they saw and what we now have. How cool to be able to do that. Oh, Such a blessing. It's amazing. So let's read this from the vantage point of spiritual eyes. He says, uh, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit within you. Like what? He's given us a new heart. So in order to give us a new heart, he had to take something away, didn't he? So he actually took out the old heart and he'll talk about that next um, um, and put a new spirit within you. We'll, We'll bounce back around to that. I wish they could do surgery like that today. But it's better than surgery. It's a transplant. He didn't just work on your old heart. Right. He says, I will remove the heart of stone from your body and give you a heart of flesh. So he's not talking about fleshy sin. He's talking about soft, something soft and not hardened is what he's describing here. And then he says, I will put my spirit within you. So did you gather all that from that passage? He said, I'll give you a, a, a new heart. He's going to take away your old heart. The heart of sin. The heart of stone and sin and disbelief and give you a new heart, a believing heart. Uh, and then I'll put a, a new spirit within you. So you get a new spirit along with this new heart. Not just any heart and spirit, right? But the one of Christ. But then he says, I will put my spirit within you too. So you have your spirit and his in you. And anybody that reads the rest of the scripture knows, you know, that uh, our spirit is now one with his. We're one spirit. So our new spirit actually connects to his perfectly. And so they're they're together now, made together. I mean, that's that's phenomenal. You can think of a thousand amazing words, but just picturing it, our spirit together intertwined with his. And never to be separated. Yeah. It's impossible. Yeah. And in a in a new heart. I mean, that's why we don't like sin anymore. 
Have you ever thought about that? If you read that passage, you'd say, ah, that's why people are out there feeling so guilty all the time. But the reason they're feeling guilty towards God is, is a misconception. Uh, they, they haven't been set free. They, they have to, you got to think about these passages some more and who you are. You're a new creation. You, you no longer have to feel that way. It, this isn't about, this is about the new creation. They rejoice in these, in this new, these, these new I, concepts that are coming out of you that you would have never had before. That's why you feel so different all of a sudden. And the best way to get in touch with that is to learn why and how this came about. Amen. So what do you think, Melissa? I think it makes a lot of sense why, why we wouldn't want to sin, why it doesn't feel good to you. Or like, let's say you are someone who struggles with uh, judging and making fun of people, you know, and it doesn't feel very good anymore. It doesn't mean you're never going to slip up and do it, but you've got that feeling that comes along with it. Like, I don't like this. This doesn't feel right. I really don't want to be doing this. And I think about that when you do that too. <laughs> I wasn't referring to you. I'm just thinking of anything, anything, why it just, why there's something tugging at you, whatever it might be, something tugging. Small or large. You know, we, we don't like it anymore. Right. You know, we're capable of it. These we're still capable of sinning. If, if sin wasn't a problem in the early churches, why would Paul have written about it so much? But the people that he referred to as saints did some appalling things, some things that you would be like, oh, that's not Christian at all. But he never questioned their faith. He questioned their uh, their the idea of what they had about Christ. So they had already repented for salvation, but he was telling them uh, in Corinthians, this particular sexually immoral person, telling him to, to repent and or basically change his mind back to the message that he came to. He wasn't enacting line, he wasn't acting in line with the gospel. So Paul didn't say, You're not a Christian. He actually was very harsh with them, and they they told him to 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 rebuke him and get him out of their gathering for just a little while. Basically, he said, hand him over to Satan so that he could so that he could see what it's like to be outside of their fellowship. And then the beauty of it all is that he came back and he, and he changed his mind and he believed. So it worked. He never had to say, you are not a believer. Get out of here and don't come back. No, he didn't say get out of here until you stop sinning. No, he just wanted him to come back to the to the reality of Christ and the work of Christ. The new heart, he didn't realize who he was. He was not acting in line with who he was. He was acting like something that he wasn't. If you had, if you knew somebody in your life who was going around acting, wouldn't you get irritated? Wouldn't you get kind of annoyed? Like, why are you acting like that? That's not you. Right. You're putting on a show. He wasn't acting in line with the gospel. And he was affecting other people. And, and that causes people to stumble. Right we're warned not to be a stumbling block aren't we yeah so that's what that's that's why we want to act that's why we want to act spiritually that's why we desire to act spiritually so that we don't cause other people to stumble right right plus it just it give, makes you feel a whole lot better and gives you peace uh acting in line with the spirit with who you are oh amen because you feel like yourself Right. When you're not sinning, when you're doing good, godly things, you feel like yourself, and that feels great. Right. When have you noticed when you act in line with the spirit? We I know we've talked about this. 
you feel a peace unlike any other, a peace that you've never felt in this life. And you just want to hold on to that and never let it go. And unfortunately, we still live in this world. So we we stumble. But we're not of this uh, world. We're not of this and world. And that's why so it feels okay. good the way you're describing, isn't it? Right. Yes. And uh, Sorry exactly. to interject there. I, just, I had to. No. I didn't know if that's where you were going. I wasn't. I'm glad <laughs> you said that. I was just thinking, uh, you know, because we're not of this world, but we still live here for the time being. Mm -hmm. uh, we still get, we still stumble yeah. all the time. And, but when you feel that peace, you just, oh, I wish I could hold on to this forever and feel this way forever. I mean, mm -hmm. that, and I believe that's what heaven will feel like. Yep. Why wouldn't it? Like the most amazing peace, but every second, all the time. But as we mature, the, the spirit teaches us what you're describing. And so when you start noticing those things and recognizing them, pray for more. I encourage you because, because when it happens, when you start desiring and praying those things, there's something happening. And that's, that's magical. Right. That's something not magic, magic, like hocus pocus, but God magic. God magic. You can you know magic. what's at work when you start feeling desires. <laughs> You've seen that in our lives, haven't we? Yeah. And when you're praying like that, you better be ready. Yeah. Well, yeah be careful what you pray for because it might come true. Floodgates are gonna God, God's gonna do big things, very likely. So check out Isaiah, Melissa. Isaiah 43, 25. I, I am the one who blots out your rebellious deeds for my sake. Your sins, I do not remember. So in this prophecy, he blots, he's prophesying that, that Christ will blot out our rebellious deeds. Blot them out. Now, do you think that he meant that he was going to, that you would stop committing them or that he was going to blot them out? And like he said, I do not remember your sins. I do not remember. Why do you think he doesn't remember them? Because he chose not to. God chose not to remember them. It's not because he's an idiot or has amnesia. He chose to blot them out and to not be counting them against you anymore, as other passages say. That's a big word, blot them out. I mean, that's like something blotting is soaking up everything that was within you and taking it away. And so when you look at that, he had to do that before he went into your heart. He had to blot, he had to remove that old heart. He had to clean house on you, you know, because if you had still any sin left, Christ isn't going to live in there, right? So he blotted out everything. That's why he took away your, your old heart. Same scenario. He took out that old, old heart. A heart of stone, what can it do? It's just a hard stone. There's no... Yeah. No function there. No need for it. Yeah. A, a Christian. Yeah. And when I think of blotting out, I think of those feather pens, you know, from that the forefathers used. And when you would dip it in the ink and then set it on the paper, a huge ink blot would appear and you're not seeing anything that used to be there. I mean, it's just yeah. gone. Yeah, and like something that blots something up, sucks it all in. And so yeah, yeah the, the blotting is a powerful word when you look into it. Um, some of these little things, you could just skim through that and be like, oh, blots it out, yeah, whatever. But <laughs> you got to take a moment, uh, you should to spiritually take a moment to reflect on these passages because they're amazing. Well, when you think, that reminds me, I mean, we're talking about the 
God of creation, the God of the universe. We're talking about, I mean, fear and trembling. You're in awe of this God and he's deciding that he's not going to remember something. You think he ever forgets anything? No. no. For him to say, I will not remember, that's a big statement, isn't it? Yeah. So let's look at that. this one last passage in Psalms. If you're still feeling guilty uh, and unholy and unrighteous and feeling like you got a bad heart, which at this point, I, I think you should, you, you've probably learned that maybe you shouldn't say, I've got an evil, wicked heart. But let's just look at one more passage. Uh, one more prophecy here, just to seal the deal. Go ahead, Melissa. Psalms 103, verse 12. As far as the eastern horizon is from the west, so he removes the guilt of our rebellious actions from us. Okay, so we're no longer guilty towards him? We're, we're forgiven as far as the east is? From the West, I mean, that would just go in a circle and complete itself. It, it, it's as far as you can go infinitely in each direction. It never stops. Does it even complete itself? It I goes, it just keeps better. going. It's endless. It would just yeah. keep going in the circle. Right. Or in a straight line. Yeah. You can't get any, you can't get any more infinite. You know, just like the life of Christ that we now have. He gave us his life. His life is infinite. Just right. So is our forgiveness. It never ends. If you're if you haven't come to the conclusion that you are a fully forgiven creature, then uh, please look at these passages today and think about and, and embrace this. This is amazing. You you don't have to feel guilty anymore. You don't have to feel like you have to ask and beg and plead because of a sin that you've committed. Please, God. Oh, you're so holy. Please forgive me. Oh, he is holy. You bet he is. That's why he had to do all these things for you so that you could be holy. He wanted you to be perfect. And now you are. And he's the only one who could. Absolutely. So do we still sin? Yes. Or do we still feel bad for it? Absolutely. How could you not? But do you have to apologize and beg for forgiveness? That is silly. Come on. Let's move on to more maturity. That's that's just uh, that's spiritual milk, you know, the fact that nobody wants to sin and that we hate sin and that we don't want to sin anymore. That's just elementary teaching. We got to move on from that and start embracing uh, all that he's given us through his through the through the cross and through his resurrection. We have right. life in him. His life is in us. We are his life force. The spirit of the eternal God is inside of you and proud of you. Think about that. Yeah, it deserves for us to stop and take a moment and think. Soak that in. Yeah. So blot it up. Let's blot it up. Blot it in. <laughs> exactly. You want to want to turn to Paul's teachings? Sure. Let's we'll start into some of Paul's teachings. We'll never get through all of these passages, but we're going to certainly get through some of them because this is just there's just too much good stuff to be had here. So what did uh, what does Paul say in Romans eight, chapter eight, verse one, about our grace and God's love? Paul says, "There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the life giving Spirit in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death." 
For God achieved what the law could not do because it was weakened through the flesh. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and concerning sin, he condemned sin in the flesh so that the righteous requirement of the law may be fulfilled in us. We do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Right. So there's only one way that we can walk now as Christians. We can deduce from that. You know, people people say, are you walking in the flesh or walking in the spirit? Well, sure, we can act <clears throat> in the flesh. But when we're spiritual and the spirit's inside of us and we walk, we are always in the spirit. Christ is in us and we're in him. So there is no right. walking outside of the spirit anymore. And the apostle uh, in John's epistles, he describes that quite well, actually. Uh, that topic, but there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He starts out with that passage because the law has been fulfilled in us. Christ said he came to fulfill the law before he delivered the Sermon on the Mount. And that's an important thought. He fulfilled the law for us, in us. There's no condemnation left. Have you ever felt condemned? Have you ever felt really down because you heard a sermon where the pastor at, uh, at the front really seems to have it together, and boy, you wish he could be more like that. And he delivered this sermon that made you feel like garbage. Does this, does the scripture, do these passages make you feel the same way, or do they feel different? They feel very different. They feel very different. And we were listening to a pastor today um, doing a call-in radio show and somebody called in and said that they wish they would have heard this message of the freedom in Christ sooner because for three decades he said it, he, he lived just three anguishing decades of guilt and condemnation because he'd been yeah listening to the wrong people really right and it's all in God's perfect timing but it was just sad to hear Man. People are so grateful when they come to grace, and though. So great. In whatever age you are, it doesn't matter. There's no, there's no need to feel bad about the past because everything comes in God's timing, and He and you learn from all that. He taught you in a different way. That's all. That's very true. He taught you in a different way. So for that guy, you know, he he learned the hard way. But what happens when you learn the hard way? You learn real good. You learn real good. <laughs> yeah. How about the Apostle Paul? I mean, he, he should have, you would have thought he would have had a guilty conscience of all people. He was a murderer and he wrote our New Testament, mostly, most of it. And uh, what did he say about his conscience? It was clear. Think about all the people that died at his hand, but he had a clear conscience. He felt the Lord chose him because he was the worst of all sinners. The worst of all the sinners. Worst of the worst. So... Um, we felt the Lord chose him to be a, a good example to everyone else. I mean, you think you're bad. Look at me. Yep. And God spared me. He set an example of God's great patience. God's very patient with those that he that he chooses. He's very patient. He's going to wait. He's going to put up with all kinds of stuff from you. And then one day it's going to happen, you know, for, for those who believe, those who come those those who have been chosen you one day you're going to wake up and you're going to love that he woke you up <laughs> Ephesians 2 4 here's a good example of that but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even though we were dead in offenses 
And, and this is the NET version, by the way. And so this may sound different than like the NIV, you know, I got one of my buddies. So he's like, what are you reading? Uh, so this is a new English translation. Um, I, I, anyhow, let's, let's continue on. I, I like it because it's very open and they, they have very little copyrights. They don't seem to want to have any kind of ownership over this and try to make claims and charge people for stuff. They, and I, and I like that. And the translation's pretty good too. I have no issues, see no issues. It just reads different. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even though we were dead in offenses or sin, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you are saved, and he raised us up together with him and seated us together with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus to demonstrate in the coming ages the surpassing wealth of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you are saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is not from works that no one can boast. For we are his creative work, having been created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand so we can do them. Wow. Wow. Where do you even start with that? Well, I suppose we could start at the beginning, huh? What stands out to you in that, Melissa? Well, I just, the last verse, I'm just realizing the power in that. Um, We've read it before. God created, let's see, for we are his creative work, having been created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand. I knew that part. Any good works we're doing, God prepared them beforehand Mm -hmm. so we can do them. So it's even. We're free in Christ, but yet he prepared everything and laid it all out and it's going to happen. And because of our heart, because our heart desires and, and the spirit will guide us in the right direction. Like the old prophecy said, the man's mind plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So we think all kinds of things along the way, but the whole time the spirit is directing us right where we need to be, isn't it, Melissa? Yes, it is. And it, it's showing us that that's why it's even possible, because God prepared our good works. And we're his creative work. His creative work. Yeah. We are his creative work. We're not we're not the creative creature in ourselves. We're only creative as God gives it to us. So something that right. stands out to me also is the part where he raises us up together with him and seats us together in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So when you hear those passages that he's seated at the right hand of the Father, where does that put you spiritually? You're seated with him, right there with him, right there with him. You may not always feel like it, but that's the reality that you got to ponder and you got to you got to reflect on when you're feeling bad. You are in heavenly places spiritually. So they're talking about right now. You're royalty. Yeah, right now. He's made us alive together with Christ. Yes. This is by the resurrection. This is by the, the bloodshed. Wow. He raised us up together with him. Amazing. Amazing. So that's, and then, and then, go ahead. So that's to show us just how uh, righteous we are. Mm-hmm. Right? That's a demonstration. Spiritual demonstration of our position with God. Right? Oh, yeah. 
we're we're per- we are we've been made perfect. We're royalty, and here's and where did it come from though? It says by grace you are saved through faith. This is not from yourself. So grace and faith are not of you. And there's another passage where he says that uh, God distributes faith. He distributes faith to those in different measures, Paul said in another passage in Scripture. Our faith is given to us as a gift so that no one can boast. That is incredible. It is incredible. Because otherwise you could sit there and say, well, look at all the faith I have. I did all these things in Christ's name. And what yeah. have you done? Yeah, like our study on great faith. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, it's, it's true. Yeah. Why haven't you done that? Well, you'd be boasting. Right. Romans 6.10, Melissa. How about that? This is good. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Dead to sin? Dead to sin. Sin has no power over us anymore. We can commit it, but it's foreign to us. It's foreign right. to us. It, it, it can't enter into us because our heart is right. It's it's like a foreign invader. And uh, he the death he died once for all. How, how many times and how long? Only one time. And, and for, for all. all. Forever. For all, for all sin, for all time, whatever you want to make of it, because the either one of those things is true in Scripture. Amen to that. Man. Romans 8.31, Melissa. Oh. You have that... more to talk about on that one? Yeah. Uh, Are you going to ask a question? Consider yourselves dead to sin. You're dead to it. I had a thought, but it kind of went away. Just a very good verse there. All right, Romans 8.31. All right. Let's bring some more grace to the table. Yes. What then shall we say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Indeed, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, Freely give us all things. Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is the one who will condemn? Christ is the one who died. And more than that, he was raised. Who is at the right hand of God? And who also is interceding for us? Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will trouble or distress or persecution or famine? or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we encountered death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we have complete victory through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor heavenly rulers, nor things that are present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Wow. 
Wow. I love how he's so descriptive. That's amazing. You know, I I, th- I think that's my response to that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I don't even need to give any details. He was pretty, pretty descriptive, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Oh, I, man. I can almost see him excitedly writing. Yeah. Not this, not that, not that. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing you can think of can separate you. Amazing. God is God has got this one, doesn't he? He sure does. So if that doesn't wake you up to some grace, then uh let's try first Corinthians two six. <laughs> maybe that will. <laughs> maybe you're sleeping, you haven't had enough coffee. Maybe you're maybe you're sleeping to grace or falling asleep to grace. <laughs> Which is very peaceful too. I like falling asleep reading. But today we're waking up to it. Yes. So we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 2, 6. Now we do now we do speak among the mature, but not a wisdom of this age or of... We do speak wisdom among the mature. Oh, sorry. Now we do speak wisdom among the mature, but not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are perishing. Instead, we speak the wisdom of God, hidden in a mystery that God determined before the ages for our glory... Wow. None of the rulers of this age understood it. If they had known it, they would have cru- they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written, things that no eye has seen or ear heard or mind imagined are things God has prepared for those who love him. God has revealed these to us by the Spirit. For the Spirit teaches all things, even the deep things of God. The Spirit searches all things searches sorry the spirit searches all things even the deep things of god for who among men knows the things of man except the man's spirit within him so too one no one knows the things of god except the spirit of god now we have not received the spirit of the world but the spirit is who is but the spirit who is from god so that we may know the things that are freely given to us by god and we speak about these things not with words taught us by human wisdom, but with those taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. The unbeliever does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The one who is spiritually spiritual discerns all things, yet he himself is understood by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to advise him? But we have the mind of Christ. I love that verse. So unspiritual people can't understand. They don't get it. Unbelievers don't get it. But we have the mind of Christ. That's how we're able to understand. It comes from our heart, doesn't it? The renewing of the mind comes from the heart. Which is? The new heart Christ Jesus gave us. Yeah, without that, you just have a stone heart. And yeah, I think what really stands stands out of, uh, about that passage is that uh, the unspiritual mind cannot understand things of the spirit. So you, you sit there and you ponder, like, man, why doesn't this person get it? This is so easy. Believing is simple. 
but we see why, you know, this, the, you've got to remind ourselves that the scripture teaches us why, because they, the spirit has to wake them up and has to open up their eyes. So let's pray for them. Let's pray for our enemies. Let's, let's pray for anyone who's uh, rejecting the gospel because they need it. Yeah. And who you never know when the, the prayer of the righteous will be answered because God tells us he's listening. He's listening to the righteous people. So pray for him. And he says to pray in all things. If he created you with a heart that reflects his desires and you're spiritually desiring something, what might that mean? That... It's always worth praying, isn't it? It is. Yeah. <laughs> it's always worth praying. We don't know what the outcome is going to be of our prayers. You know, we, we you know, it's, it's, it's God's sovereignty. But right. he's you, calling you to pray that for a reason. It just uh, uh, from what I've seen from experience, when you pray for spiritual things, you get spiritual results. Like we were saying earlier, be careful what you pray for. If you pray that you want to be more godly, you might wake up the next morning really digging in. <laughs> you find yourself on YouTube. <laughs> Romans 5, 6. For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, perhaps someone might possibly dare to die. I'll read that again. For rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, perhaps someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us much more than because we have now been declared righteous by his blood, we will be saved through him from God's wrath. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, how much more since we've been reconciled will we be saved by his life? Not only this, but also rejoicing God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received his reconciliation. Reconciliation. So our our checkbook is balanced. Yeah, we, uh, we we don't owe anything. He took it all away, uh, our sin, and uh, we've been made right. Bank checkbook reconciled, isn't it? So that passage starts out a little confusing. You're like, what are you talking about? But then he makes it so uh, it gets to his point, and you're like, wow. So we were still sinners. You know, we were ungodly. We hated God. And Christ died for our sins at that, you know, and God has his mercy on us while we're against him. He forgives his enemies by example. So why do you think that Jesus says, forgive your enemies? Because that's a spiritual and holy thing. God did it. God did it. And so we are capable of it now because we have his spirit. So we're before, you know, you would have thought impossible. And still at times you think, hmm, that's tough. You know, you, you start digging into politics and you start feeling all kinds of things, don't you? And uh, you think, hmm, I, I'm going to go back to the spiritual thoughts <laughs> and, and I'm going to make an effort to pray, you know, for, for these destroyers here. <laughs> right. Well, I, it's like I was sharing with you the other morning. Uh, if you think about if God had people praying for for Saul. 
to stop persecuting and mm-hmm. to come around and believe the way at the time it's called the way. Yeah. Um, you know, if you were one of those people praying for Paul, you know, how wonderful that would have felt to be part of God's plan because he did eventually convert Paul, didn't he? I truly think there were people praying for him. I think there were too. And I think there was also saints that were shocked because we see that. Like, wait a minute. So the one who is killing people is speaking. And uh, but many of them glorified when they heard that he had come too. And so there was, you know, the more mature Christians would have probably were saying, well, we've been praying for him. So hey, God can do anything. And that must have been so hard to do, especially if if you saw some oh. of the things, if your family was affected, if you know it. But what does it do? It glorifies God. It does. And it takes away the flesh. It takes away the the worldliness of it all, That's and changes it into something so different, so different. You know, he, he's not saying to love people that are against uh, that love hating God and love the the ways of the sinner, but to to love them, to pray for them. You know, because we we as humans, uh, the reason he would instruct us, especially of that, is because we were no better, right? You know, we're we're in this world with the rest okay, of them. Yeah. We're not sovereign. We're in the world with everybody else, and we would have been no better. So glory be to God that we were changed, and now we can pray for our enemies to be too, because we were once just like them, weren't we? You were, and it and was, it still would be, still would be if not for His mercy. And knowing someone was praying for for us, you know, if it, um, that would only feel. And good. that's not a requirement. Nobody had to pray for us. No. God, God designed us, you know, to to come to believe. And there were people praying for us. I yeah. know that for a fact. But our hearts are one with His, and so we often pray things that are in line with His will. And uh, you know, these things happen. I think that's why you know it's it's easier to to uh, to discern that passage where Jesus said, "Pray, and you will be given all things." You know, the magic genie in the bottle passage. Oh, well, why didn't I get the new car? <laughs> you know, and so you realize, and you look at Paul's prayer to the Ephesians, he wanted them to know the depths of God's love. He wanted, he prayed that they understood the message to the full depths. And you know that, you know that there was people coming to that uh, belief through that prayer because it was a righteous prayer. It was a it was a spiritual prayer, and I and I think that you can look at those that passage in light of that, you know, and that's why I say be careful what you wish for. You know, he may not take the thorn out of your side like Paul is asking him to, but he sure did a lot through Paul, and and uh, Paul described the secret, right, the secret yes. that he had to being content in all things, and and that was the secret, you know, it was it was Christ, it was God's sovereignty. He always knew that God had control. You know, he knew that he would finish the race. You know, he'd say, uh, I'm hoping that I wasn't running my race in vain. But he knew, he knew that he was going to finish that race. He knew that it was all going to come to at the end. It was only certain moments. Like, did I, did I preach? And you guys, you know, didn't hear it. Things like that, you know, but, but he knew he was going to finish so his race. In his humanness, it probably got, I'm sure he got frustrated just mm-hmm. like anybody when you're you really want someone to understand you're trying so hard and yeah because we don't know mm-hmm. we don't know who's who's gonna believe 
And uh, we don't have that ability. And um, it doesn't sound like Paul did either. He didn't say like, well, that person's going to believe. And he's just pointing like, well, yeah, that person was created. Right. No, you know, we don't know. And so we're just, we're just doing God's, God's work by teaching and, and, uh, and sharing. Yes. By example, Paul led by example. So one more passage before, before we fall asleep to grace. (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, and then we'll have to continue on the next one uh, so we don't uh, wear out uh, too too long of a, a video here. We, w- we want to make sure to capture people's full attention, don't we? Yes. Go ahead, Melissa. 2 Corinthians 5.17, and then, we'll, and then we'll call it. So then, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. What is old has passed away. Look what, look what is new has come. Look. What is new has come. Look. The new creation. And all these things are from God. Yeah, it is us. And all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and who has given us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, in Christ. God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's trespasses against them. And he has given us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making his plea through us. We plead with you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. God made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us. So that in him, we would become the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God. The ministry of reconciliation. So they were describing the gospel, sharing the gospel message as the ministry of reconciliation. And what does it mean to be reconciled? It means to be made right, you know, like the checkbook balanced. That's right. You know, you got a clean slate. So if he says to, if he says be reconciled, he's saying... He's not saying become, right? He's not saying become reconciled. He's not saying make an effort to be reconciled. He said be. What does that sound like, Melissa? What does that remind you of when he says be? That means that's an immediate, that's a spiritual teaching. And it's a it's an immediate thing that would take place for the believer. You now have the righteousness of God. You are reconciled. So when he says be reconciled, he's speaking to an uh, to a, an audience that should come, that he's wanting to come along into the fellowship. Be reconciled. Be reconciled, not work till you become, right? Right. So what does that remind you? Can you think of what Jesus said that sounds just like it in the Sermon on the Mount? Oh, he says clear. the same thing. Be perfect, therefore, as your father in heaven is perfect. He doesn't say what many people interpret it as, do the best you can, work your way up to being perfect, try to be perfect, you know, do your darndest, uh, follow the Sermon on the Mount until you're so perfect that you're about to cry. He says, be. And so it's the same same connection here. Be perfect, be reconciled. It's a spiritual teaching that is describing what happens when you come to Christ. And so as an evangelistic passage, 
that uh, Jesus was that whole Sermon on the Mount was evangelism. The the apostles later looked back onto it when they received the Spirit and saw it as such. Right. They saw it. They were like, "Oh man, we needed the Savior, and He was teaching us that be perfect. We are now. We are perfect now." He was looking forward to when they would come to believe, and when they would be perfect, when they would be reconciled. You can't earn this. You can't work your way up to this achievement status. So don't try. You're going to drive yourself crazy. If you hear this message, you might save yourself from the rest of a lifetime of, of impossibility. You know, you're going to read the Sermon on the Mountain. Keep trying, but don't forget to cut off your arm and gouge out your eye. Yeah, don't you might, do it. <laughs> some of your limbs too. He was serious when he said that, wasn't right. he? It wasn't he was. a joke. He was, he was. serious. But he didn't mean what you think he meant by it. He wasn't literally telling you to do that. He was literally telling you that you'd be better off than follow doing that than following the law, yeah. or, or than uh, to go to to go to hell because of trying to follow the law. You might as well just just start severing limbs, right? That's how severe that teaching was. But this this is grace, isn't it? So now he says it, and you can actually do it. Yeah, so this is what we have in Christ. This is this is what he left us with after that difficult Sermon on the Mount. Would you say when he's saying be reconciled, is, is he saying believe? Yes. And for those who had the ears to hear, yep. they did. Yeah, believe. And then then you just are. You, this amazing thing. You are believe, reconciled. You know, where it just it happens, your eyes are opened by the spirit and you believe and you're just like how did i get here i was just, i was loving my sin and now i don't right and <laughs> as you mature in the faith you love it even less and less and you start realizing uh, you know and learning and growing and uh you know the spirit's guiding you away from all those things but you've already been made perfect you have the head start on it all you're perfect and then it just keeps getting better the renewing of the mind that comes from the heart, right? That's right. Well, unless you have anything more to say, I think that uh, I think that we had a good dose of grace for the day, and we're gonna continue on uh, on the next one and uh, enjoy God's amazing grace, uh, full grace with nothing in its place. How about that? That sounds amazing, and we all get right. to carry this all with us every day. Yeah, not just once in a while. It's not just every day yeah so, so look you know look up these passages and uh if, if you want some study guides to help you along go uh, to wakinguptograce.com we have links down below our youtube videos to our website and uh you know if you if you're trying to help somebody along and trying to help them to realize the things like the sermon on the mount and how it applies to us you know check out our uh how good are you page it kind of puts the law in your face and then fills you with grace. Yes. Uh, so that's by design. So if you just want a little tool, check it out. It's pretty cool. Um, and uh, yeah, that's what it's all about, right? <laughs> so today signing out and uh, we pray that uh, God leads more and more people to his wonderful truth. And uh, we pray that uh, if you're watching this, that he's leading you to some more depths, more insight, and maybe even salvation. So uh, on that note, uh, we'll see you next time. Subscribe and uh, help our help keep our ministry going. Get this message out to more people. When you subscribe and support us and share it, that's that's what makes it makes the difference, you know. So yes. amen.
Yes, amen. 